0: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy. Celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I had to interrupt my presidential breakdown, which will resume next week with Governor DeSantis. But I had to kind of interrupt that breakdown and talk about two topics that are getting a lot of attention right now in the media. and, um, and, and, And I know that it's super important to a lot of people, but I'm a little I don't know I just I just gotta share my my take on it because I really feel like it's an extremely important that we you know discuss cultural issues and cultural things as well and I gotta talk about the Dalai Lama as well as Joe Biden. So let's start with the Dalai Lama. So when I first heard about this and heard about who he is and just what happened, the first thing that popped in my mind was, well, does anybody know what the Dalai Lama is? Like where did this come from? And, you know, just kind of the backstory on the person that um, is now the Dalai Lama. So let's start with the fact that I don't know how many people know that the Dalai Lama changes that this is the 14th Dalai Lama that has held that title. Um, I'm not going to call him your holiness because as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, I consider God, my, my God, the God to be the only um, God that, an only person Jesus that I refer to as the holiness. And so I'm not going to refer to him as your holiness. I know that's what a lot of other people refer to him as. So if that is offensive to anyone, then you may not want to continue listening because I'm just not going to do that. However, for the sake of just kind of understanding historically who he is and how we got here and all of that. I did want to do a little bit of a backdrop and then get into my thoughts on the most recent controversy that was surrounding him. Um, Let's just say, should say that is surrounding him. But for those of you who don't know, the Dalai Lama is a spiritual leader that came out of the school of Tibet Buddhism. Um, The title in and of itself means ocean of wisdom. So that's just a little bit about the actual title where it came from. So this is something that's really connected to, to, to Tibet and Buddhism. And what I thought, what I also found to be interesting is that um, the current Dalai Lama is exiled from Tibet and has been since 1959, following a failed uprising. Uh, against Chinese in the Chinese rule or China in the Chinese rule apparently the Chinese government invaded Tibet in 1950 and the people of Tibet and their leaders um, including the Dalai Lama sought to negotiate for like a peaceful and coexistence with the Chinese authorities but you know without um, I'm pretty sure we all know how the story ends cause we know how China is they refused basically and so tensions between both sides kind of escalated and in 1959 is when the Dalai Lama who was just 23 years old at the time decided to break free and you know, move and and, and exile themselves, himself. Uh, The Chinese government responded by, you know, in rebellion and it became extremely more difficult um, with military crackdowns and all that stuff. So that's what kind of led to the exile. And where did he go? He went to India where he established a government in exile and continued to advocate for the rights of the people of Tibet and their culture. So, since all of that, it's pretty clear that he has, um uh, became a global figure and there are a lot of people, not just people who are Buddhist, but there are a lot of people who support, um, the Dalai Lama or, or at least, you know, subscribe to some of his views and things of that nature. So, you know, um, it's not, even though it's really connected to the Buddhist community, um, and the Buddhist. Buddhist religious practices, it's not something that is completely, strictly Buddhist. There are people who still listen to the Dalai Lama, so he has a lot of pull, he's a person of power, he's extremely powerful. But the man who is the current Dalai Lama, I'm going to be honest. I cannot pronounce his last name. It is a, I I don't want to butcher it. I don't even want to try. So I'm just going to try to try to pronounce his first name, which still may be wrong, but it's, it's easier. It looks like it may be easier to pronounce. And so the name is Tenzin T E N Z I N. He's the current 14th Dalai Lama. And he was born in 1935 in a very small village in Tibet. And They believe that he is the reincarnation of the 13th Dalai Lama and they discovered this at the age of two and he was formally enthroned as the spiritual leader of Tibet at the age of 15 in 1950. So I find that to be quite interesting because I have yet to have met a 15-year-old who had enough wisdom to lead me in adults. But that is not to say that, um, there are not people who, um, feel that, um, you know, that could be the case. And I guess the reincarnation portion kind of played a role into that, but that led me to ask the question, well, how did you know, right? How did you know at two years old that this individual, Tenzin, was the reincarnation of the 13th Dalai Lama to now become the 14th. So apparently the process in recognizing reincarnation of the Dalai Lama is based on a set of criteria that have been developed over several centuries. In this case, there were a number of signs. This is according to the Buddhist people of Tibet and those who follow the Dalai Lama stated that there was a number of signs and omens that were believed to indicate his reincarnation. And one of the key signs was the appearance of a particular set of symbols and objects that were associated with the 13th Dalai Lama who had died just a few months before Tenzin was born. These symbols included a certain type of cloud formation the appearance of letters and symbols on rocks and other objects and and spontaneous movement of objects. Don't know much about that part or what moved or anything like that, but that's part of what I found in my research. Um, Another important factor was that they said that the selection of this of, of, of the next Dalai Lama was conducted by a search team of senior monks who were responsible for identifying potential candidates for the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. The search team conducted extensive investigations and consulted with oracles who were people who believed to have the ability to communicate with the spirit world and provide guidance on the matter the search team eventually arrived at um at his village um, i'm not going to try to pronounce it but it's spelled t-a-k-t-s-e-r um but yeah so apparently the search teams all of their signs led them to the village where tenzin was born and they identified him as a potential candidate. They presented him with a number of objects. So I guess this was like phase two where they gave him a bunch of objects that belonged to the previous Dalai Lama, including a rosary, a ceremonial hat. And the, apparently the little boy um, correctly identified them as his own possessions from his previous life. And based on this and other signs, Tenzin was officially recognized as the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama at age two. Okay. I have to be transparent. Um, at two years old, I feel like almost every two year old thinks that everything is theirs and it's mine, mine, mine. So, I don't know, but I guess it's because of a lot of other things too. I wasn't there, but um I just found that to be a little bit shaky personally. But this is my first time researching it, so I'm just giving my my little two cents. But when when we heard about the controversy, so let's talk about the controversy a little bit. Um the controversy around the Dalai Lama, if you haven't heard, was um, during a time where he was greeting with people. Um, I guess people can come and just kind of share or hug him, talk to him, connect with him. Other Buddhists, when he was having this moment, a little boy who looked to be around the age of ten, maybe a little younger, uh, came up to him and asked for a hug. The Dalai Lama, spent, you know, when I'm paraphrasing, but he went on to say. Okay, but I also need a kiss on the cheek, I believe. And then he asked for a kiss on the lips. And then lastly, he asked for the little boy or asked the little boy to suck his tongue. And the little boy did. Um, unfortunately, I've watched the video and I was deeply disturbed. The first thing I thought was where was the parents, but we'll get into my thoughts later. However, that's what happened and it stirred up a lot of controversy and it's been talked about everywhere, a lot of places. But then I first think the thought that came to my mind was how important is the Dalai Lama to the Buddhist faith? Because I didn't know if this was going to be something major. I mean, if as Christians, if we had an individual or something or a person or just a team or whatever, a people who were on this earth, who we look to as a representation of who we serve and who we worship, um, much like who Jesus was back long, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, and, and we heard that he asked a child to suck his tongue. That would be extremely detrimental. So I wanted to know what was the reaction of this. And, how important is the Dalai Lama to Buddhists? And so I found through my research that the Dalai Lama is an extremely important spiritual leader with the within the Buddhist tradition. His role is considered to be of great significance to the practice of Buddhism around the world. And as the Dalai Lama, Tenzin is believed to be, you know, someone who they really lean on because he's considered a part of the long line of spiritual leaders who have guided the Tibet people in Buddhism for centuries. So this is a big deal. This is, I mean, I would venture to say that this is as if Jesus in the Christian faith, um, was to suck the tongue of a child, which, Did not happen. I'm glad that we don't have any indication of that. However, um, if you want to look at another faith, um, I would say maybe, you know, if Louis—I mean, uh, yeah, Louis Farrakhan in the nation of Islam—if he sucked a child's tongue, that would be extremely bizarre. So this is really interesting. However, um, overall. Through my research, I found that a lot of the Buddhists see the recent controversy regarding the Dalai Lama as out of line. You know, um, it's out of line with Buddhist teachings and values, which tends to emphasize respect for all. And, you know, it puts emphasis on the importance of ethical conduct. And in Buddhism, it's considered to be unethical or inappropriate for a teacher or spiritual leader to engage in any behavior that could be seen as exploiting or abusing their position of power and authority. So, you know, this is interesting, right? Um, When you think about the overall, you would think that there would be more Buddhists coming out and saying that they are upset. They, I mean, but I guess maybe they're trying to figure out what to do about this. But something that I found to be a little weird was, and I'm going to let you hear it yourself, was CNN's response. So CNN put a panel together to talk about this, and apparently they don't think this is anything that's sexual or inappropriate at all. So you take a listen. Uh, the Dalai Lama is a very playful human being, and we may see this in a weird kind of gross sexualized way but this is about as sexual as a bowl of plain rice there is nothing sexual or erotic or erotic happening in this encounter as you can see by the reaction of the people who are there uh, Tibetan culture just has different boundaries around we see the tongue as it's what we kiss with it's sexualized it's this and of course that this is offensive to us as it should be uh, it's not seen that way in Tibetan culture this is this is a part of the body it's something playful now. After hearing what you just heard, I, after hearing what you just heard, I think that should give you an indication as to why I felt like this was important. Because for me, it's an absolute no. No to desensitizing us to abusive children. I know there was a lot of conversation around um, whether, like, you know, parents who kissed their kids on the mouth. But it's their parents. It's not the. They're not allowing other adults to kiss their children on the mouth. And typically, for what I've seen, that stops at a young age. Now there are people who still do it as adults, and um, culturally, it may be accepted in other places. But again, it's typically within family, not with strangers. So. To me, CNN is showing the dark side of the world and how the world is becoming increasingly dark. You know, to have a child that and a boy child at that to suck a man's tongue, a grown man's tongue, is to me absolutely disgusting and I don't I don't like the idea of also trying to make this a cultural thing. Right. Like we don't understand their culture. I'm sorry. Pedophilia is pedophilia no matter what culture you're in. Um, I don't care who says that it's appropriate. Being with a child in any sexual manner is not appropriate. And so I do have a problem with that. And I I will not make excuses excuses for that, but I can't help but think about my own faith. And I feel like the beauty of Christianity is that the focus is on the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. It's not focused so much on the person as much as it is the duty, the service, and what Jesus was came to do. And I think that's what keeps you kind of safe, if you ask me, from some of the, from what we're seeing right now. According to the Christian faith, you know, after the acceptance of Christ, we follow his teachings, but there isn't any person on earth today that we look to as a reincarnation of Jesus or a version of Jesus. And I believe that's great. I mean, it keeps the focus on the actions and not on the person, even though we know that Jesus is is you know uh, a God in the flesh. So, but today we we didn't continue this process, and so I think it's unique to 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 kind of notate that as well. But I do think that it's important that there isn't a individual a person that we're looking to because we're all flawed. You know, I mean, as, as Christians and believers of Christ, we believe that we all have a sin nature that needs grace and needs the guidance of Jesus to overcome it. And we also know that we all make mistakes, but Jesus, God does not. And that's where we kind of rest. And for many of us, this entire discussion is much bigger than religion, even though, I came from that angle. I think it's much bigger than religion. It's about protecting our children. I see people speaking out. Even the rapper Cardi B uh, spoke out recently about this, and she got attacked by people because we're so polarized into propaganda now that it's, it's almost like anytime you talk about a subject that is seemingly right leaning or seemingly left leaning, we immediately have to oppose it. And that's dangerous. I mean, that's, that's to me seeing the resemblance of the impact of uh, of socialism and which will ultimately lead to communism. And so that is a problem for me. So again, this whole topic to me, is just, it's so much bigger than religion. I'm definitely following it. And to me, it's not about, you know, not it, to me, it's it's all about not encouraging adult behavior amongst the most vulnerable in our babies. And that's just that and I'm gonna leave it there and just kind of, you know, let that be. But I do think this is something that we need to pay attention to. We don't need to sleep on this. It's absolutely disgusting and it's disrespectful. And I, I'm really concerned. I don't know where the parents were and how I would love to know what they thought about it, and what their explanation is. So, yeah. Okay jill biden let's talk about jill biden so jill biden who is a our current first lady um she was a doctor in education jill said something recently that kind of got her in trouble here it is so i know we'll have the champions come to um to the White House, we always do. So, you know, we'll have LSU come. But you know what? I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. Here's what the controversy is. There are a lot of people who have made this a black and white issue because Iowa is a predominantly white team and LSU is a predominantly black team with a very vocal star player, uh Angel Reese, I believe her name is, who is one, she, she, she she became, she became popular because she decided to, um, I guess show her, I don't know. She was kind of taunting, right? So she taunted her opponent who also taunted her. But then there are people who kind of called out what she was doing and not what the other girl did. And I don't know, wherever you stand on that, as your, are you know, I mean, I personally don't have an issue with taunting on either side. as You know, I mean, that's, that's I think that's just part of sports. But a lot of people thought that it was a poor, you know, poor sportsmanship, which is a term that we heard Jill use um, when she decided that she thinks she's gonna, she thinks it's good to ask, Joe (laughs) to allow both teams to come to the White House. Traditionally, only the winner comes to the White House, but you know, she decided that she wanted to change that up. And I have two theories. I have two theories, and and, and the reason why this is important to me is because none of my theories are related to race. And I do think that we are just really putting too much of a focus on race. And I and I'll explain that a little bit better in a second. But I do have two theories about this. One is that she was upset because I saw another clip where Angel Reese mentioned that she didn't let the team opted for Jill not to come and speak to them before the game started. And she said something along the lines of it's because she heard that Joe Biden didn't have her have LSU on their bracket. So for those of you who don't do the bracket thing, During March Madness, this is not March Madness, but during like the college, you know, sports um, time where they had their national championships, people create brackets that start from, you know, the beginning to the end to see who, if they can, you know, accurately predict who will be in the championship. And apparently, Joe did not put LSU on her, on his uh, bracket. And that was an issue for Reese. And so that's what she said. So maybe Jill felt a little slighted. And so that was how she felt. However, I think that that's a cop-out. If that is the case, I think it was bigger than that. It was much bigger than that. I think it was political. And this to me shows how little people understand politics overall, because if you understood politics overall, you would understand what I'm getting ready to explain to you. It's the, it wasn't about, I don't think her decision to or, or to suggest bringing both teams was about um, the teens or basketball or sports at all. I know she mentioned sportsmanship, but I feel like that was her way of trying not to show her hand. It's because it's Iowa. And for those of you who don't know, Iowa is extremely important. It's an extremely important state in American politics. Extremely important because it is the first state to hold a caucus or primary during the presidential election cycle. Their caucus takes place in February. And Iowa caucuses are traditionally the first opportunity for voters to express their preference for a candidate in the presidential nomination process. So it's like the person who kind of wins the Iowa caucus gets a lot of attention. It's like, okay, this is showing you where things are. And why do they, why do they have this privilege? It's not just because they are a, um, it's not just because their caucus comes first but it's also because Iowa is considered a swing state in general in general elections because their vote voters are historically split between the two major parties, Republican and Democrat. And because of this, Iowa is often targeted by candidates during the election cycle as the state that you know, you want to win, right? If you win that one, you kind of have a good idea as to what where things are going. I didn't know this about just how split the state is, but according to a poll or a voter registration breakdown in uh, September of 2021, uh, which is the most recent I can find, apparently there's approximately 33 Republicans, 34 Democrats, and 33 independents or non-party affiliated. That is a very interesting split. So it's it's worth noting that the state has been a swing state for a very long time and that, I mean, they tend to sway between the parties. So here are my thoughts. I think this is what happens when you play identity politics. It's like you lose sight of what... Your personal convictions and passions are when you play identity politics on some hand in some cases, but not in others. You're going to run into this moment at some point. And we're now seeing that, you know, I believe what matters most to the Bidens is not race relations or social justice like they try to pretend, but it's winning, it's politics because they are politicians. This is what he's done for his entire life. He has not built anything. He does not own anything outside of politics that wasn't obtained through politics. This is what the Bidens do. So I don't think she even considered racial makeup of the teams, she saw Iowa and she saw an opportunity to try to connect with the people of Iowa to make them a little more sympathetic, I believe, to Biden as he's preparing more than likely to run for reelection. So what happens when your personal beliefs don't line up with, or your personal passions don't line up with your means to an end initiatives, you get this. And for the Bidens and the Democratic Party, racial strife and division is a tool that's simply in their toolbox. It's not something that um, they, I believe, hold dearly to their heart. I don't think it's something that they hold a conviction about when it comes to race relations and social justice. It's simply a tool, a resource that they pull out at certain times, particularly in states where there are a lot of minorities. And I truly believe that this is where the danger comes in because they don't know how not to flip flop on issues because you kind of have to when you're simply pulling out your tools at different moments to make different points. So overall, I just believe that she was playing a political game, not a racial game this time, and that the two worlds finally collided as us us conservatives have always understood what happened. I do not think that she thought that this moment would come, but it's absolutely here. And I wonder if it went through her mind. I, I actually, I don't. I don't think it went through her mind. I don't think it went through her mind to ask herself whether she wants to pander to politics or race this time, because I just I just don't think that was in her mind. I think she just saw Iowa and she understood how important it is. But now there's a the question that I would like to pose to Democrats, which is, you know, Do you now, do you still agree with the whole participation trophies or participation awards? Because, you know, a lot of Democrats have pushed this initiative that everyone should be celebrated, no matter whether they win or lose, in order to promote positive mental health. But then in this case, that's absolute no. Or maybe just among the Black community, that's the part of the Democratic Party, it's a no. But... Either way, I know Angel Reese made a statement where she said, "I would rather meet with the Obamas, clearly because they're black." But um, you know, again, making it about race to me shows the ignorance of where our society is when it comes to politics, when it comes to understanding our civics and how American politics work. I, to me, it was very clear what this was really about. I'm interested to know what you think. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to do a quick podcast about this, these two particular topics. Next week, we will be back on the presidential breakdown and we'll be talking um, about Governor DeSantis, who has not announced, by the way. However, you would think he has when you look at the ads that are coming out and some of the attacks that you're seeing. But he did an interview with Piers Morgan and we're going to discuss that next week. So make, be sure to stay tuned. Um, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified when I upload a new one. And if you would like to join our email list, just let me know. Email me at Iam.JanelleKing at gmail.com. And if you're a social media person, please follow me at on IG, which is Instagram, at Janelle King, um, I'm sorry, J King, uh, J King, the podcast. So on Instagram is J King, the podcast. Um, And on Facebook is Janelle King. So yeah, follow me and uh, yeah, we'll just continue down our little rabbit trails. (laughs) Until next week, have a wonderful time and a great, great rest of your week.